Welcome to this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story Podcast. I'm Trista Polo from IWokeUpAwesome.com and I am your host. Each week we learn the story behind that vanity plate. You know the one you saw driving down the road? What did it say? What did it mean? Why did they choose it? This week we meet Megan McCollum of Chicago, Illinois. Megan went from a career as a female firefighter to a real estate investor. She has spent the last five years creating a real estate portfolio that allows her to raise her children as a single mom without having to work a J-O-B. Megan embraces a philosophy about investing that goes beyond what most people think when they hear the word. In fact, she hopes people will ask her about her license plate so she can educate them on the many ways they're investing right now without even knowing it. Megan just launched her podcast, REI Tech, to bring education and updates about real estate technology to investors and homeowners. Megan shares her experience as a female firefighter, a new investor, and more. Stay tuned till the end because I share my morning rituals that create the right mindset for productivity and positivity all day long. Welcome to this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story Podcast. I'm so excited to have Megan McCollum from Chicago, Illinois. Her license plate, Investors, has some very cool story behind it. Welcome, Megan. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Now, how did we connect? Was it Instagram? No, it was Facebook because I have a podcast too. And you had mentioned something about your podcast and I thought it was really interesting. And I was like, hey, I might be someone you want to talk to because I have a plate with a story too. I'm not just a jerk with a vanity plate. It, it goes deeper than that. <laughs> and you know, so, I find that a lot of them do go deeper than that. So your license plate is investors and yes. um, tell us the story behind it. Well, I'm actually new to being an investor myself full time, formerly a firefighter. I decided that it was time to switch gears and take on a new career path. And I became a real estate investor. And it actually was something my mom encouraged me to do. And she had her own business that she started like in her 50s. And she ended up hiring my brothers and sisters. She hired everyone in my family except for me. And I was always like, but mom, I, I want to work with you. And she said, go, go real estate investing, right? That's your calling. And eventually we'll partner together. And so my mom, kind of a person who could see someone, see what potential they had, and, and then know when opportunity was ready to power, like when they had opportunity. I love and, that. But as a fireman, I'm like, a real estate investor? Oh, okay. So I started pouring <laughs> myself into learning about real estate investing. And then it eventually, because I did pour myself into it and buy a, you know, a house hacked into a really great home that now pays for itself completely for me to live here. Because I did that, it ended up being a safety net. Investing became a safety net for me. And that's super important because I ended up losing my mom I'm about so five sorry. years ago. Yeah, and she was my safety net. So she kind of said, get into real estate investing. And then that became my safety net when, when she left. And that's, you know, what... I, I took her vision, her dream, and actuated it, which is really cool. So I got into investing and started studying it. And the more I studied it, the more I realized that 
happiness and wealth and success is so much more than money because once I had the money, I realized I had given up a lot of time for that and what that time had cost me. And people started talking about every dollar is someone's minute or could be an hour. If you've waitressed or been in the service industry, you've worked your tail off for a couple bucks an hour at some point, right? That's right. And when I started investing, I actually went into the service industry to keep me humbled. So I would work real estate investing till about 5.30 at night that I'd go down to the local little wine trattoria place and work till about 11 o'clock at night. And I came home sometimes with like 27 bucks. Oh my gosh. But I kept working there because I wanted to remember what money meant because as I was spending big money, it felt strange, you know, going and buying a house and, and, you know, spending $80,000 to fix it and doing that over and over again, those numbers felt strange. It almost was like play money. So. Right. Like you were playing Monopoly. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And that's how I did it. I bought houses, turned my houses into hotels, not literally, I don't own any hotels but bigger and bigger buildings, I was able to do it with the same amount of money, rolling that money over and over and over again. But to get back to your question about investing, I I thought my, my background in philosophy would influence my investing, but I've realized is investing has influenced my philosophy on life. Yeah. I think that's so fascinating. Most people think of investing like, I'm going to create a stock portfolio or a real estate portfolio. I'm going to invest in my retirement. It goes deeper than that for you, it sounds like. So can you share a little about what investing means for you? Well, so investing is, it's everything. There's three main things that we invest, but all those three main things are everything. Number one is your fiscal situation. That's what we all typically think of. Right. Is it is your how much money you have, um, what percentage you're making on that money, our wealth, right? Our second is our utility, our function, really. And that is our energy, our, our natural energy that we put into things, our thought processes, our passions, what we worry about at night. Those are energies, those are things that we still invest in. But just by investing our thoughts into something, that's an investment. And then the last is time, because time is the greatest resource that we have. We don't know how much we have. We don't know when it's going to end. You can't buy it and pay money for more time. You can't take other people's time. You know, it's not like in all those monster movies where like the monster drinks your essence and then gains vitality. We don't have that. So you have this limited resource and it's your most limited resource. You invest all of those things on every, every moment, every given day. So what you need to do is focus your attention, your time, your money on what you want. Investors are people who put energy towards things. So for me, investing does run so much deeper. It's become my philosophy and everyone is one. And I want to share that message with people. So I want people to ask me about that. It sounds like you almost could say it's like living life on purpose. You're investing in life instead of letting life happen to you. So that's kind of Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing as I put it through my own filters is, you know, how are you investing your time? your money, your energy? Are you doing it on purpose? 
for right. growing something, whether it's personal or for the greater good. I really like that. It takes investor, the term, to a whole new level. It's, it's all about, it really kind of takes it to intention, mm -hmm. right? So what's your intent, your why? And, and, and that makes sense. Investors always have to have a why. And it makes sense. Why are you try out for the school play? Because there's some pay, you get something from it. There's an exchange there of currency, whether it's like, I like the attention. Ooh, attention becomes your currency because you want it. So there are so many currencies and ways that we exchange goods. You could exchange time for things. You could exchange ideas like, you know, intellectual properties for money or for time. And it's even getting a little crazier now that we've got this technology surging um, in real estate investing because the technology that, that's coming out is allowing people to focus their time on their most human activities within their business therefore allowing a lot more connection with the customer. Adding that technology to the investing is really kind of lit me on fire and it, it's, it's really cool finding those technological intersections with humanity. And that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. And you, that's what your podcast is about. That's launching, right? Is about the technology side of real estate investing. Yeah, it's called REI Tech. It's the culmination of FinTech, which is financial tech, CRE Tech, which is commercial real estate tech. There's, you know, there's construction technology, there's digital marketing technology we need to use. All of these things have to get pulled into one thing within real estate investing technology. So it's a very, very niche Thing, but it's really broad at the same time. I saw on your website that you're pretty excited about your first guest. So yeah. why don't you share who that is? Yes, I'm really excited about my first guest. Her name's Kathy Fetke. She's the co-CEO and founder of the Real Wealth Network out of California. She has an organization of about 45,000 investors who she educates for free and is constantly keeping people at the front line of trends. You can tell she's giving us everything on, on the first episode. We're really finding out what the future of real estate, that's what she's kind of coming to talk on. The future of real estate due to changes in technology. And it's things you wouldn't think of like, how does a self-driving car affect real estate prices? Or, you know, everything used to be location, 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 but Will online education change that? Because now you don't have to live in the best school district. You might be able to opt in to other school districts. Wow. Yeah. Are, so it's great to kick off the podcast with, with that episode and really get people thinking. So I'm, I'm happy to share that. I think that's great. Yeah. I think it'll be a really good niche. It sounds like you've hit on something where not a lot of people, if anybody really is talking about that. So that's awesome. Right. No, the only reason, the only reason I started this podcast is because nobody else was talking about it and I was looking for it. And it, it's very interesting to see the seeing the opportunities that are coming forward from it. Like I've been able to get in contact with a lot of CEOs of these startups and it's been really cool to like get to talk to CEOs from startups and hear how they're thinking and yeah. look at how they see the future in their industries. And I'm trying to keep it interesting. I'm trying to keep it 
you know, light and fun at the same time. I don't want anyone to feel like my podcast is going to overwhelm them because I was a knuckle dragging fireman for 14 years out of college for my career. And I probably got promoted because I could make a PowerPoint, to be honest with you. I, so I was always pushed in, into education and that's, you know, they kept, you know, wanting me to do training and stuff like that. And eventually that's when I, how I became chief was chief of training, but it, it was because I could use a little bit of technology, but I got out of the fire service and then I was like, wow, I know nothing. And it's been just this kind of, it's been like haunting me to like learn more and know more because I felt so left behind already. And I'm like, if I don't do something now, it's kind of like you gain 10 pounds over the winter. If you don't do anything to get rid of it, it's going to be there next winter and you're going to get another 10. And then all of a sudden you're 50, you know, you're 50 pounds overweight and you're like, how did this happen? For sure. That's right. It's the Uh, same thing with technology. You got to just chomp at it a little bit by little bit. And I, I hope that my guests and I can break that down with some analogies and some really good, you know, stories uh, behind the technology that makes it palatable for your everyday, you know, listener even. I wish you a lot of luck with it. I want to go back to the past. I, I must know how a philosophy major ended up a firefighter. So can you share a little bit of your backstory with us? Yeah, I actually was, I I went into college originally to be, I was pre-med with a bio major and then about a year and a half in philosophy just grabbed me. I, I, I got into paramedicine, you know, eventually that's what really pulled me into firefighting along with the fact that I'm third generation. So I watched my dad be a firefighter, my uncle, my grandpa, and they were all against female women in the fire service. And I was too, until I was about 22, 23 years old, I was a personal trainer. My dad saw me working out. He came to work out at my gym and he was like, oh, do you always lift this heavy? I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it's, it's more than some of the guys at the firehouse. Wow. He's like, will you, so you come to the firehouse and teach some of the guys how to lift weights? I was like, sure, dad. And I did. And the guys were like, wow, yeah. Oh, you should put, you know, put in to be a fireman here and all that stuff. And I was an athlete my whole life. I was a four sport athlete in high school, two in college, played women's professional football. I liked physicality. I love biology and anatomy and I loved emergencies. I've always been drawn to panic because I've, I get tunnel vision in like a very calm way where I can come and kind of de-escalate. And I've always been drawn to that. Like I've seen so many car crashes in front of me for, you know, as a kid, I've just always been in the middle. There's probably a car crash and I'll have to get out and hold C-spine for someone. It just might happen. So it, it, it really worked well for me in, on paper, right? Uh, physical job, demanding job. You have to problem solve quickly teamwork, uh, physical labor, and there was a science. There was a, a real applied science and methodology to fighting fire, and then there was building construction. Oh, that started me more into real estate investing. It was great, but it was, it was hard being a woman in the fire service. I would think so, because it, there aren't many women, and like you said, none of your family wanted women to be a firefighter. Right. What right. was it like for you? You know, 
there was a lot of good days. There were a lot of great guys. And then you had a couple bad apples that would spoil the, the bunch, unfortunately. I'm not, I don't hold my tongue. I, I do speak up. And so when you're, when you're a new fireman, you're supposed to kind of keep your mouth shut. But when things would be said inappropriately about another firefighter or someone's wife or there was just certain lines I didn't believe that should be crossed and I would call guys out on it. And a lot of the guys didn't appreciate that. So some, you know, I, I got, I got, you know, tested a little harder than most. And, you know, we'd be like, Hey, Megan, want to run extra drills? And I'd be like, sure. Cause I had to, because the, I had to keep proving myself time after time. And, you know, finally I got the guys respect who, who are like, you could tell the beginning, we're like, you're going to wash out, you know, on a couple of drills we did when guys were dying, I was still going. And the guy, you know, some of the guys were like, wow, you really, you're, you're, you got it. Okay. All right. You know, but I also spoke out against the chiefs sometimes when they were wrong too. And I'm not very coachable, I guess. Uh, <laughs> What's really striking me and maybe it's the current conversations that are going on in the world, but you had to prove that they should look past your gender and see you as a person and you had to work harder because you didn't look like they expected you to, you didn't show up the way they thought you should. So you had to prove you deserve to be there. And I had to continually prove it, it. You know, I didn't mind it those first two years. I was like, yep, beat me down, whatever. Yep, I'll scrub all the toilets. Yep, okay. You know, I know I'm not going to get invited to the barbecues you guys are all going to. I'm the new guy. It's fine. But then I, every time I would go to a different department, I had to prove myself over to everyone. And I'm not talking like to the chiefs or upper management or even my own crew or like guys who are like older than me. I had to prove myself to the 21 year old new guy that I could do my job because I was a woman. And so every time I go somewhere new, I had to prove myself over again as a woman, I can do my job. And so it just got really, really tiring. I was tired of having to prove myself to everyone. You know, you know, being, I, it's all, it's also, but it, it, it forced me into getting my master's degree and I didn't just get a master's degree from an online university. I got into the University of Chicago and I, I did their master's of science threat management and response program. Wow. Awesome. So it's, I've always had to strike higher and do more and be the last one standing. And it just always felt like that. And that was exhausting. No, it was really exhausting. I loved the job. I loved, I loved the work. I, I loved the work, but living with guys all the time did get where like it did it did wear on me a bit and i knew going in that i was still having to fight the bat the the gender battle within firefighting but now it's become so much more scientific and strategic versus run in break stuff knock stuff down and it's a lot more of like learning you know the construction technologies and knowing a gusset plate melts at 600 degrees. So if you can calculate it's been burning it for so long and you can assume that it has a couch in that room and X, Y, Z, you're like that room is, you know, those, you can figure that structure is not going to hold for much longer. So 
like you there's a much smarter way of fighting fire now wow um so you don't have to be that that bohem like that behemoth guy who runs in and just Wamps at everything. Mm-hmm. I loved I loved using physics and removing cabinets off the wall. You know, and <laughs> you know, throwing some something up there and just prying things off the wall versus like going up there and smashing them off the wall. So there's like a lot of history that's progress is very much impeded by the traditions of the fire service. Well, I think that's yeah. true with everything, right? I think that <laughs> tradition, habit, that's the way it's always been. It's almost like that's the way it's always been gives an excuse to have it be that way. Yeah. Um, and new knowledge, technology, you know, new yeah. discoveries, they have to be included in because it's all part of the tapestry. It's true. There's so much fear of change. And that's, that's really what I found in the fire service, you know, it was women coming in, that's change. Women wanting to be officers, ooh, that's big change. Having, having an education, the fire service has changed very slowly. A lot of you know, industries have. They want to maintain homeostasis, right? And that's just to protect themselves. They do that just to protect themselves. Like this has worked in the past, it'll work. You know, we'll just keep with it. Why fix something that's not broken? But that's why, obviously, I'm someone who loves change and bring on technology and let's figure out how do, how do we do this much easier and how do we do it automated and how do we not have to use our human time? And I'm hoping real estate investing <laughs> is open to that change. <laughs> and I find that, you know, we're going to have early adapters because we've got a lot of people in the tech industries who are investing in real estate with their money that they're making because they're getting- That's true. They've got good paying jobs. Right. So I think we're going to now see because of tech, because of, of the people in the technology, you know, wages, wage area, because of them investing in real estate, technology will be pushed through this time. I think this is where it will finally kind of change our whole entire industry. You're so right. And, you know, especially the rental side, because even when, houses go down in value rent never ever seems to (laughs) never seems to decrease it always seems to either stay or go up and that's mostly what you're doing your you own property that you rent out right i think i saw in your bio you have 41 doors that you own yep and that's that's a mix of like single family homes i have i have a handful of duplexes i have a triplex and then i have a 20 unit apartment building oh wow okay that's the on your way to the hotel in the Monopoly game. <laughs> and it, yeah. You, so you, because you've only been investing for about five years. So that's a pretty nice portfolio to have for that short period of time. And this is all you do. This is your only income. Right. Correct? Yes. And certainly. I I think in the very distant background, I hear children playing. So it yep, sounds like you are, are also yep. raising a family on yes. your investor income yeah i'm a single mom and i'm currently going through a divorce i'm sorry to hear that you know i am too but at the same time it's created some new opportunities and it's a it's a fact of life 50 percent of people face it so that's true it is unfortunate but it is something that you should plan for we actually will be talking about that on my rei tech show even though it's not explicitly 
tech, the show really talks about like tech trends and different tricks you can do in real estate investing, but just bringing the real meat forward and, and no one's talking about it. No one, not many people want to talk about their pain when they're in it. You hear people when they get through it and they're like, oh, look at me. Now I'm on the other side of the mountaintop and I went through the valley. Well, I'm kind of in the valley right now. And it's important to talk about my life tip is get a prenup because you love the person. So figure out how you'd want it to end if it did while you're still in love, because that is when it's going to be fair. That's very so. pragmatic advice, by the way, when you're planning a wedding and deciding where you're going to honeymoon <laughs> and what color the napkins should be. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It seems like a silly thing to do, but I mean. Not a, silly. It, it, I, I want, it's not silly. I think it seems like something that, you know, it's this new thing, a change when people mm -hmm. are more entrepreneurial, we're doing more things to create our own income instead of relying on a paycheck. And I think that talking about prenups is taboo when you're in madly in love and there aren't any problems. I mean, how do you bring that conversation up? Because what I'm saying, if I do that is we could be the 50% that does get divorced. So let's just talk about it, even though we know we'll never, ever leave each other. <laughs> Hello, entrepreneurs out there. You write an operating agreement where you have a discussion with your partner. If you write a good operating agreement that discusses what happens with when and if the company fails and or dissolves, how do you dissolve it fairly? You, we do it for business. Why the government makes us do it to have a business. The government makes you write that. Well, they're controlling our marriage anyway. Why wouldn't they make us do the same thing then? It seems so practical. So I've had so many things interrupt my divorce pro you know, process because there wasn't the technology for it. So wow. yeah. I'm so, I'm so pro technology and change. Megan and I spoke next about her experience as a contract firefighter overseas. And you also supported you were a contract firefighter in the Middle East, right? I was st stationed at the Camp Arif John in Kuwait in 2005 to 2006. So it was a, a, a very different experience. Definitely opened my eyes to the world and how different people live. And it, set, it, it embarrassingly set on the side of our fire truck protecting those who defend America or something cheesy like that. But it was something to kind of be proud of because I was one of the only paramedics in the whole country. So it was interesting. And I got to teach a lot of the combat medics before they got sent out. So I felt like I really had an influence and maybe helped someone save a life there. So that was a really great experience. Wow. That's Amazing. Thank you for doing that. It doesn't sound like it was for the week to be out there. Megan was a wonderful guest, and I enjoyed learning about the many facets of her story, including a book she's working on that we don't have time to share here. But make sure to visit her website to learn more about it. It's about using mentalist techniques in negotiating real estate and beyond. I want to thank you so much for being on today, Megan. It's been really fun to learn all the different facets. You really are somebody who goes out and lives life to the absolute fullest. 
And instead of wondering what you should put on your bucket list, you just go out and do it before it even gets on your list. I think that's awesome. So I do like to turn the tables and have you ask me one question if you have one. Do you have a question for me before we wrap up? I'm going to ask, what is your nighttime routine for calming down at the end of the day and kind of bring it, bringing it all together after just all of all the noise, right? All the noise. I think some people have this magically figured out. I know I don't. So I think that's a good question. <laughs> that is a really good question. I actually will have to admit that my routine is more in the morning to get mm. my head right than at night. Mm -hmm. So I meditate. I, I'm a Reiki master, but I use it mostly okay. for myself. So I'll do self Reiki, meditate, and do some mantras that really work for me. And then I'll write for 10 to 20 minutes, depending on how much time I have. And the writing piece is the super key. I find if I write in the morning, I have a much more inspired, synergistic, serendipitous, magical sort of day mm. than when I don't. And I can tell when I haven't done it. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm sure also just doing it every day too, that, you know, having that habit, that good habit every day, like that just kind of sets you up then for the rest of your day. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. Thank you for asking it. No problem. Awesome. I have had such a fun time learning about you. You know, I started this podcast because I believe that the plate is really just a doorway into someone and their experiences and the multifacets of them. And you did not disappoint. <laughs> well, good. I'm, I'm a little bit deeper than a shallow license plate. Yes, indeed, as we all are. Well, I'm glad you had me on. I had a fun time too. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story Podcast. Please subscribe to Trista's Plate Story Podcast to get the story behind all those vanity plates driving with you on the road. And if you would like to nominate the owner of a license plate, including you, or visit any of our partners and sponsors, come see us at platestory.com. That's PL8story.com and give us the details. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop a review and give us a share. I'm Trista Polo, wishing you well on the road to your next adventure.